Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. So Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. And the word of the Sovereign Lord reads this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. This is the word of the Lord. Evangelist and publisher D.L. Moody once uh, wrote this. He says, trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in money and you may have it taken from you. But trust in God and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Trust me. Two very simple words. How many of times have we, we heard these words in our lives? Many times we've heard this expression, trust me. And again, two little words, two very simple words, but they contain in them a world full of implications. Because the reality is that trusting is a big deal. Trusting is important. Trusting has, has consequences. Do you trust your bank to keep your money safe? Do you trust your parents to do right by you? Do you trust your friends to keep an important secret? This is boron, right? Do you trust your doctor with your diagnosis? Do you trust your government to protect you, especially now during a health crisis? Do you trust that you're going to have a job tomorrow? Do you trust that you'll even have toilet paper or water anytime soon? It seems like we have lots of areas in our lives that require trust. Even we, when we don't want to, we still have to trust in some level. Trust me. There are two words that we hear out of the mouths of our friends, and there are also the words we hear out of the mouths of our enemies as well. They, these are two words that can strike fear or bring comfort. And it seems like everyone wants us to trust them. Our friends, our families, our neighbors, our employers... All of us want us to trust them. Businesses, salespeople, our local health departments, all of them are asking for our trust. Even people we don't know, like our president and Congress, our governor. They're all asking us to trust them. Even people that we don't like are asking us to trust them on some level. Though all of them will have different motivations for us to trust in them. Sometimes we know them and sometimes we don't. Trust me. The sound of these words can either bring great hope and comfort because we know that help is on the way, or they can bring be an ominous warning to us because we know that things just might get a little bit worse, if not a lot worse. And so trusting can absolutely be very difficult because in either case, trusting, in, trusting other people always involves some sort of risk. Because trusting at its core asks us of something. It asks us to be vulnerable. It asks us to be exposed. 
It asks us to be in a position of weakness. It asks us to, to risk something on some level. Trust always involves an element of risk. It asks you to put your heart at risk. It asks you to put your money at risk. Sometimes our families at risk. Maybe even our health at risk. Maybe even our lives at risk. So trusting is not a simple issue. Trusting is actually a complicated, complex relationship dynamic because the truth is, for there to be trust, there has to be some sort of a relationship. Trusting requires a relationship. For example, you trust your money with your bank. Why? Because you have a relationship with that institution. You are a member with that institution. I trust my wife. Why? Because she's my wife. I have a long-term relationship with her. She's proven herself to be trustworthy. You trust your dog because you have a relationship with your dog. You trust your computer with your personal information because you have a relationship with your computer to this point has had positive experiences like being able to order things on Amazon. Trust always requires some sort of relationship with something or someone. But as you know, relationships can be and are, by their nature, complicated. Because relationships either involve people who are flawed and broken by their nature because of sin, or or relationships with things like cars and computers and pets that are themselves imperfect and flawed and subject to this broken, sinful world. And because of that, the relationship that you have with them is complicated, which means trusting at its very best is complicated. Which means trusting people and things at times for us can be a big struggle. In fact, I think most of us, on some level, struggle to trust. I think that almost all of us are struggling to trust right now the government and what they're telling us to do. I mean, we were hoping that they have our best interests, but there's something in some of our back of our minds wondering what's really happening. I don't care who you are. You have trust issues somewhere in your life. Some of you women don't trust men. Some of you men don't trust women. Some of you people don't trust technology. And some of you people don't trust people who don't trust technology. Some of you don't trust doctors. Some of you don't trust the government. And some of you, and none of you, will actually trust your neighbor if you hear him cough. Some of you don't trust the police. Some of you don't trust your boss. And some of you don't trust politicians. Well, none of us trust politicians. I think all of us on some level are wondering what's really going on. What's the agenda here? Not saying that there is one, but... Come on, they're politicians, right? So we all struggle, every one of us, on some level to trust. But why? Why is it so hard for us to trust? Well, we struggle so for, for lots of reasons. And I believe that the biggest one is, is because of fear. We struggle to trust because of the fear that we have. We struggle to trust others because we fear giving up control. Because that's what trust is, right? At some level, you're giving up a little bit of control. When you trust your bank, you are trusting them with your money, and you're giving up control of your money. Now, they make you believe that you're you're in control, but now, on Sunday, go try to get out more than $400 from that ATM, and you'll find they have control over your money. Or how about when you you tell your friend a secret? You no longer have control over that secret anymore. 
because you now are trusting them to do right by you. But you and now don't have control. They have control. Or how about when you trust a babysitter and you hand over control of your kids? Or when you uh, have surgery, you are trusting in that surgeon. You are handing over control of your, of your body consciously right, and cognitively. You are trusting them. They have control over you. Even the medication you take, when you take medication, you are handing over a certain amount of control of your body to the pharmaceutical company that has made those medicines. Trusting is about giving up control, whether it's a little bit of control or whether it's a lot of control. And if there is anything that we fear as human beings, it's giving up control. That's why right? there's so much fear now as we see around us. That's why people are panicking. That's why people have bought up all the toilet paper. Is because they are out of control and they're fearful. It's quite apparent right, that there is something to fear. I mean, right now, we can't even meet with our church family here in this room because we're not in control. And we hate it. We hate the lack of control because because we all want to be in control. We all do. On some level, we are. Let's just admit it. We're all control freaks in our own right. That means you too. Yes. We want to control our money. We want to control our jobs. We want to control our families. We want to control our futures. We want to control you know, when we can buy things like toilet paper and bottled water. We want to control everything that affects our lives, even this virus. We want to be in control of that. But trusting requires that we give up some sort of control, and that's why we struggle with it. Another reason we struggle to trust is we fear being hurt. Right? Because trust makes us vulnerable. Trusting right, puts part of our lives at risk, which means that those that we trust have the ability now then to hurt us. We all know what that's like. We've all trusted someone who has been turned around and hurt us. Maybe you're someone who has trusted your spouse only to have them abuse you or walk out on you or be unfaithful to you. Many of you know what it's like to trust a friend who then turns around and betrays you. Some of you know what it's like to trust in a business only for them to run off with your money. Trust involves allowing someone to have enough control of your life, which means that person can can intentionally or unintentionally hurt you. We've all been taken advantage of by someone. We have all been hurt because we have trusted someone or something. In fact, trusting the wrong people can cost you really, really big. I think we've all experienced that, right? Trusting the wrong person can cost you your money. Trusting the wrong person can cost you your life. And so we struggle to trust because we fear the loss of control and we fear being hurt. And then we fear also being let down. Because though most of the people that you do trust, most of your relationships you have trust relationships with, won't intentionally hurt you or betray you, they're still flawed and broken, which means at some point in your life, those you trust will let you down. You trust someone to pick up, pick you up for, the, for, for work in the morning and they forget, Right? You trust someone to be on time for an appointment, an appointment and they lose track of time and they forget. You trust someone to do a job for you. You're depending on them to do a job for you, but then they end up overbooked and can't get to you for two more weeks. 
right? Even the people we know and love the most have the potential to let us down. And, and those letdowns have consequences. Sometimes the consequences are very small, and sometimes they're really, really big. So fear is a big reason that we struggle and trust. But really, at its core, what is trust? I mean, we fear it. We know what it's, what, what it, we, know, we know how to trust, but at its core, what does it mean to trust? Well, trust at its core is three things. It is confidence, it is dependence, and it's vulnerability. You see, trust begins with confidence. When you trust someone, you are confident in their willingness and their ability to do what they say that they're going to do, to do what they promise that they will do. And you also are confident that they're looking after your best interest. Again, I trust my wife. I am confident she will keep the promises she's made to me to love me and to take care of me and to be faithful to me. This is something I have great confidence in, which means I have a high level of trust for her. On the other hand, I contacted Angie's List at one point to get someone to uh, put in a new garage door for me, and the guy did a terrible job, and the guy won't return my phone calls. Trusting him was a big mistake. And now Angie's List wants me to have confidence in them, but I don't. I don't have confidence in their ability to recommend anyone. Right? I have no confidence in them. I don't trust them. Trust is about confidence. Trust is also about dependence. When you trust someone, you are depending upon them. In essence, you are building part of your life on them. No matter how small it is. So when you trust your doctor, you're literally depending on him for your life. When you trust the company you work for, you're depending on them for your employment. When you trust your bank, you're depending on them to take care of your money. When, when, you're, when you trust the government in a crisis like this, you're depending on them to do right by you and not have ulterior motives. Trust means dependence, and trust also means vulnerability. And as we mentioned, right, it's risk. Vulnerability is risk. If, if there is no risk, then there is no need to trust. Am I right? Let me say that again. If there is no risk, then there is no need to trust. If you and I are both broke, I don't have to worry about you taking my wallet. Right? I have nothing to risk. But if I have a bunch of toilet paper and hand sanitizer stashed away, you don't have any, then I have something to worry about. There's something to risk. So, so trust is confidence, dependence, and vulnerability regardless of who you trust and what it is that you were trusting in. But then what about the ultimate trust, our trust in God? What does it mean then to trust him? I mean, if there's anyone in the entire universe that you could and that you should absolutely without question trust in, it is the sovereign Lord of the universe but what does it actually mean to trust in God? Well, trusting God is actually like trusting people. Now, you might think, well, that's just really simplistic, but it's certainly the truth. You trust in God the way you trust other people, only you trust in him to the highest possible degree, which means whatever you, whichever trust that you might give to a person, whatever trust that you have that you invest in another person, you are to trust God infinitely more than that. There are people in my life I have huge trust in. People I trust with my life. People that I trust with everything that's important to me. But whatever trust I might have in that person pales in comparison to the trust that I have in God. Because our trust for God must be infinitely more than our trust for people. Which means 
You must completely and totally trust God. Not partly, not partially, but completely trust God. Notice actually what our text says today. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust the Lord with what? All. All. Every bit of it. All your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what the Word of God tells us. We're to trust the Lord with all of our heart. But what does that mean? If I'm going to trust God with all my heart, what does that mean? Does I just trust Him with this muscle that's in my chest? Well, the word heart is from the Hebrew word lave. I learned how to pronounce that, by the way, from the Blue Letter Bible. Right? But it's from the Hebrew word lave. And this word has a huge range of meaning to it. But, but at its root of this word, is, it's, it's the root of identity. Your heart is really who you are internally. It's your mind. It is your will. It is your consciousness. It is your source of decision-making power. Your heart is the source of who you are. It's not the muscle in your chest. It is who you are internally. And so when the Bible says to trust the Lord with all your heart, he literally means to trust God with all that you are. Everything that you are, your mind, your spirit, your decision-making power, your emotions, every part of you is to trust God. You're to trust God with everything that you have. This is the part I think we as Christians need to just remind ourselves That when we see the darkness coming, that we have to identify the parts of our lives and who we are we're not trusting God with. We need to trust him with our intellect, with our emotions, with with our feelings, with with our spiritual well-being. We need to trust him with everything. And notice it says, do not lean on your own understanding. Which means you need to trust God more than you trust yourself. I'm going to say that again. You need to trust God more than you trust you. You need to trust God more than you trust who you are. You need to trust that God knows more than you know. That God has a higher perspective than you do. He knows what's better for you than you do. And if there's an area that we're going to struggle, this is it, right? We want to trust God just so far as we can see what's happening. Forgetting that God is infinite and sees all things. We must come to the place where we're trusting God more than we trust ourselves. By the way, the Bible makes it really clear that trusting ourselves isn't always a good idea. In fact, it's not. The Bible says that we can't trust our own hearts. It is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? It also says that in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And the idea here is you need to trust God not only with who you are, but also in all of your ways, which encompasses all. All of the aspects of your life and all the things that you do in your life. You see, many people get stuck and think, well, I just need to trust in God for my salvation. I need to trust in God with my grandma's cancer. I need to trust in God with the really big things in my life. But then they forget to trust in God with everything else. They forget to trust in God with their jobs and how that's going to work itself out. They forget to trust in God with their marriage, leaning on their own feelings to tell them what to do. They forget to trust in God with their finances. They forget to trust in God in raising their children, remembering, you know, they forget that, you know, it's great 
to have your kids in sports. But if you're spending 10 hours a week in sports and 30 minutes a week with your child in the Bible, you're not trusting the Lord with your children. You also need, sometimes we might even forget to trust God when we are having to be self-quarantined. Right? We think of this as being thrust upon us, but really, are we trusting God during this time? People forget to trust God with every aspect of their life. But the Bible says, in all of your ways, in all of your ways, you need to acknowledge God and trust in Him. So trusting God is about trusting Him completely in every possible way, which means trusting God is to be completely confident in God. Whatever confidence we have in people, our confidence needs to be complete in God. We need to be completely confident that God will do all that he has promised to do. We need to be completely confident that God is capable of doing everything he has promised to do. Which means we need to completely depend upon God. We need to be fully, totally, completely dependent upon him. Which is the root of our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. In fact, that's what we've been talking about. It's been going through Mark, right? We come to God how? Like a child. Completely, helplessly dependent upon him. We are helplessly and completely dependent upon God to save us. Our salvation is, a, is about us fully trusting and depending on God and God alone to rescue us. Which means we don't trust in ourselves to save us. We don't trust in other people to save us. We don't trust in our religion. We don't trust in our traditions. We don't trust in our own self-righteousness. We completely trust and depend upon God and God alone for salvation. Which means we need then to be completely vulnerable in his hands. We need to, we need to place all of our lives, every part of it, in the hands of the living God. Lord, I trust you with all of it. Even though everything around me is shutting down, I trust you that you're going to work things out according to the counsel of your will. You're going, to tr- you're going to work things out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I trust that whatever happens, Lord, that you are going to work things out. My entire life belongs to you, Lord. My entire life is exposed to you. I am in your hands. Do with me what you will. We must be completely vulnerable to God. Now, I know all of us at some point struggle with the idea of complete trust and complete confidence and complete dependence and complete vulnerability because, again, we fear losing control. We fear being hurt. We fear being let down. And we fear those things because we've experienced them, even in people we deeply trust. And so there's something in us that causes us to struggle to let go. But the thing that we need to understand is simply this. This is the thing that you need to to take home. God is not a fallen, broken person like everyone else. God is holy. He is completely holy. Which means he is altogether different than us. Completely unlike us. He is altogether perfect in every way. God is, is, is completely the essence of all perfections. 
God, for him, in him there is no failing. In God there is no fault. In God there is no deception. In God there is no forgetfulness. God is perfect and holy in every possible conceivable way, which means we have good reason. We have excellent reason to trust in him. You see, we can trust God because he's sovereign and in control. Which means he is fully and totally and completely in control. From, <clears throat> from the tiniest subatomic particle to the biggest galaxy, God is in complete control of all of it. Even now, in the midst of this crisis, God is in control. You see, when you don't have trust for God in times like this, you don't have a personal problem. You have a theological problem. I'm going to say that again. When you don't trust God, you don't have a personal problem with him. You have a theological problem. Our problem is how we understand God. The reason why people don't always fully trust God is not because their problems are so big. It's because the God of their imagination is too small. Their theology of who God is is way too tiny. They don't realize, they don't understand that God is in complete and total control of all things. And some people even believe that there are many things that are beyond God's control. That God in some ways, in some realms, is helpless to do anything. I even heard a preacher one time say, God can't do anything in this world unless we allow him to. What? God can't heal you if you don't allow him to. Huh? Huh? Right? God can't change your life unless you actually let him do it. What are you talking about? Brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me. God can do whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, however he pleases, with whoever he pleases. Why? Because he's God. Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 4, verses 35... He says, all inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? God is completely sovereign and in control, which means there's nothing beyond his ability to control, which means we should surrender control, or the control you actually think you have that you really don't have. God is sovereign. But not only is he sovereign, he's also trustworthy. God being sovereign and in control is important, but just as important as that is the fact that you can trust him. Because that means that you can have full confidence in him. You can depend upon him. You can be fully vulnerable with him because he's trustworthy. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not man that he should lie, nor son of man that he should change his mind. John chapter, 1 John 1 verse 15 says, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is trustworthy. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is not fickle. He's not moody. He's not prone to make mistakes. And he's not overcommitted. He's not surprised by anything. Least of all, anything that's happening now. And, and, and God, unlike us, is not 
undecisive. He is completely and totally trustworthy. And just as important as that, God is also compassionate. God is full of love. He's full of compassion for all of us. God loves us. If there's something you need to hear today where you are, is that God loves you, you individually. Please understand how important this is. God, who created all things, loves us. Not because we deserve it, but in spite of it. He loves us because he's good. He loves us because he chose to love us. And so we can trust God because he's loving and because he's compassionate. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, the moment they believe, eternal life. God cares about his people. God cares about you individually. God cares about what you're going through right now as you're stuck in your home, separated from your church family. God still loves you. God is compassionate, and because of that, we can trust in him to do what is right for us. We can trust in him to do what is good for us. We can depend upon him to guide us and lead us in the dark moments such as this. So we can trust God because he is sovereign. He is truly trustworthy. And he's truly compassionate. Now, this truth is right here. This is the stuff that we all know. This is nothing new for us. As believers in Christ, this is not something new to us. If if you're a Christian, these are the things that you already in this moment know. This is is head knowledge. When, When you come to church, you hear about God's sovereignty. You hear about his trustworthiness. You hear over and over again about his compassion. And we hear these things and we agree and we say, amen. We know these things. We believe these things. But then there's those times in our lives when we struggle to feel this. We struggle to live in that. I mean, we know that we need to trust God. I mean, people will tell us when things get hard, you just need to trust God and we're going to agree, yes, and to trust him. But there are those times we just don't feel it. There are times in the world around us where things have just gone completely haywire, when, when things are just completely nuts, like today. When up seems down and down seems up. Times when nothing seems to make sense at all. Like when they close all of our communities down. Or like the time when a child contracts an incurable disease. Or when someone you love that you spoke to a half an hour ago dies in a car accident. Or when your marriage of many years dissolves into nothing like snow. Or how about when when the stock market crashes and your savings account completely evaporates into nothing. Or, Or all of a sudden you find that all that you have is a heap of ash because of a fire. There are those times when your hearts are broken to pieces. And nights are filled with tears. There are times when words don't seem to help. And and someone saying, just trust God, even though it's true, at times might even seem a bit patronizing. 
There are times when we know for a fact we need to trust in God, but everything in the world around us and all of our circumstances are saying, you can't trust him. There are those times when it seems like everything and everyone around us is saying that he doesn't care about you. That that he doesn't love you. He can't fix your problems. He can't take care of you. Sometimes it just feels like trusting God just doesn't make any sense at all. What is, that's what this next few weeks is, is going to be about. Is us talking about trusting in God. As we spend this time worshiping at a distance, as we spend this time separated from one another, we're going to talk about trusting God when everything seems to be against you in the world. When everything in the world seems to be conspiring to undo you. It's about trusting God when nothing makes sense. Like the way things are today. It doesn't make any sense. And in in the coming weeks, we're going to explore several big questions that I think that we should, that we're going to be facing. Like, how can I trust God to take care of me when it seems like, it seems like so many things are out of balance and there's so many things to, to worry about? How can I trust God when it seems like the whole world is against me? When it seems like, like I can't depend upon anyone else? How can I trust God when everything seems to be going wrong in my life? How can I trust God when, when the unbearable and unexplainable things keep happening? So many things keep happening in such rapid succession. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about not only trusting God at those times, but we're going to talk about actually growing in our faith during times like that. We're going to talk about growing more in love with him in times like this. We're going to talk about experiencing a greater and deeper intimacy with God during these times. We're going to talk about trusting God even more. As we go through times when the whole world seems sideways. That's what we can expect in the weeks to come. Now today, I want to wrap up talking about trusting God with what is most important to us. What's most important in our lives. And that is trusting God to save us. Now this might seem a little bit silly, Right? Because, I mean, we're Christians for crying out loud, right? That's what, that's what trusting God is about, trusting God to save us. But here's the thing. There are going to be those times in your lives you're going to wonder, will God save someone like me? Does God really love someone like me? Will he actually rescue me, or am I just delusional? Right? Am I just, am I just fooled? Will God actually save the likes of me? Because... I keep making a mess of things. I keep falling down. I keep falling in the same old sin again and again. I mean, I mean, look at my life, right? And wonder, can God really care about someone like me? I mean, I'm not always in the Word. I'm, I, mean, I mean, my love for God isn't always hot. Sometimes it runs really cold. I continue to struggle with sin and temptation over and over again. How can I possibly trust God to save me when I keep messing things up? That's the question I think we all will ask at some point. How can God save me when I can't keep myself from sinning? Well, here's the thing. If you haven't asked that question yet, at some point you will. Because here's here's what I want you to understand. You will fall down. 
You will make a mess of things. You will sin. And so in light of that, how can I be confident? How can I depend on God to save someone like me? How can I be completely vulnerable with God when I have so much in my life to be ashamed of? Have you ever had that thought before? I know that I have. But here's the good news. In spite of that, we can trust God. Because trusting God to save us from our sins is about understanding that God is sovereign and he is the one that's in control of our salvation in the first place. Because salvation, as we said over and over again, is the supernatural work of an awesome God. The Apostle Paul tells us, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There's two things you got to notice about this, though. There's two things you have to see in that. Who was it that began the good work in you? Was it you? No. Who's the one that started it? It was God. He's the one who began the good work in you. Only God can change our hearts to hear the gospel. Only God can open our minds so that we can receive the truth of the gospel. Only God, through the Holy Spirit, can convict us of our sin to help us to see how desperate our situation really is. It is God who began the work of salvation in your life, not you. Yes, you received it by faith. Yes, you must absolutely exercise faith. But understand, even your faith itself is a gift from God. He's the one who began the work in you. That's number one. Number two, not only did God give, begin salvation in you, but he also promised to finish it. Amen. That's right. He's the one that we trust to finish what he started. Mm-hmm. You're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it's the gift of God and not by your works. God is the one who completes the salvation in you, not you. Now, yes, we absolutely are called to have faith. We are absolutely called to submit to his lordship. We are certainly called to obey and and we are called to repent and believe the gospel. But all of those things are also by God's grace given us so we can do those things. He's the one that empowers us to do those things. It is his power, the power of God working in our lives that brings those things about you and I. Contribute nothing at all to our salvation. I want to say that one more time. We contribute nothing to our salvation. As the hymn writer writes, Nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross do I cling. As Paul says in Galatians, Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? If you're truly saved... God is the one who began the good work in you, and he will finish it. Because he's the one who's in control. He's the one who saved you, and you can trust in him to finish what he started, even when you make a great big mess of things. Trusting God to save us is also about understanding that he doesn't leave us guessing about our salvation. It's not a mystery Because God gave us proof on the cross. 
God proved his trustworthiness to us on the cross. Jesus, God in the flesh, lived the perfect life you couldn't live and willingly died on the cross to take away your sins and to give you in return his righteousness, the righteousness you need to stand before God. And he died and was laid in the tomb and three days later rose again, proving two things. That number one, he is what he claimed to be. And number two, he can do what he promised to do, which is to save you from your sin and the wrath of God. And if you believe in him, if you trust in him, he will save you without question. The resurrection is proof of God's trustworthiness. And finally, we need to understand that God's compassion and his love and grace and his mercy are infinitely more powerful than your failures. God's grace is more powerful than your failures. Even more powerful than your full-on face plants. Even more powerful than your doubts. God, by his nature, is compassionate. God understands your fear. He understands your worry. God understands your struggle. God knows what you're going through. And he knows you're going to fall down. I hope you understand that. This should be something that you hold on to. God is not surprised by your failures any more than he was surprised by the coronavirus. God is not surprised when you fall into sin. He's not standing there thinking to himself, I just can't believe what he just did. That is not who God is. God is all-knowing. And he knows all about you falling down. He knows exactly the kind of mess you're capable of making. And he knows the struggle that you have with sin. That's why Jesus died for all your sins. The past, the present, and the future ones too. God loved you so much that he crushed his own son so that you could be free from all that sin and have confidence and know that he will carry you through even when you mess things up. You can depend upon God to save you. You can be vulnerable with God, even in your shame, and you can trust God to save you when it doesn't make any sense at all. You can trust God no matter what the circumstances are. Now let's get really practical here. Because I know you, because you're like me. I know that, you know, it's one thing to hear the words, right, and, and believe them, right, and hope in them. But what about in the moment? What do you do with them? What happens when you actually mess things up? Well, it's times like that we have a, a tendency to realize that we've sinned and fallen short. And our sin condemns our hearts. And the enemy comes right alongside and saying, see? See how unworthy you are? See how pathetic you are? And suddenly you feel like we need to run from God instead of running to God. We feel like we need to run away instead of running toward him. And, and, and to put ourselves in, into some spiritual penalty box, so to speak. So that we, we can spend some time working our way back into God's good graces. Because we feel like God must hate me now. God doesn't want, want anything to do with me now. I mean, how can I go back to God? I just sinned like five minutes ago. How can I walk in his presence and what is worse, you realize the thing that you've been repenting of, you repented of for like a thousand times before. Right? You repented of that same sin yesterday. You asked for forgiveness of that, right? 
And now you've done the exact same thing again today. And you feel like that if you run back to God, then you're some kind of hypocrite. That you don't appreciate God. That you don't love Him. That you don't have a high view of Him. If you run back to God, you really don't respect Him, is how you feel. And so you put yourself in this spiritual penalty box, like Paul Washer calls it. Right? And you have this tendency to think, I just need to take some time to get right with God before I can come back to Him. I need a couple of days to kind of work things out so I can be back in His favor. Brothers and sisters, hear me on this. That is not the gospel. That is not the truth. That's not trusting God to save you. Our God is not some limited pool of grace that runs out like the store with toilet paper. He's an endless ocean of grace and mercy and forgiveness. An endless ocean that never runs dry. And we can come back to him and should come back to him over and over and over again. Putting ourselves in the corner and punishing ourselves and putting ourselves in the penalty box is not trusting God to save you. Trusting God to save you is what saved you in the first place. And that is to repent and believe the gospel. Jesus said the time is now. The kingdom is here. Repent and believe the gospel. That is how you came to faith in Christ in the first place. And that's how you are saved. And that's how you trust him to keep saving you. Even now. It's exactly the same thing. When you fall into sin, don't wait. Not a second. Immediately get up and repent of your sin. Run to God in faith and hold on to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Run to God and hold on to Jesus. We don't wait around reading our Bibles, trying to do our part to do some penance to approach God at some other point when we sin. We immediately repent of our sin and we turn from it and we run toward Him. And we don't crawl to Him. We run to Him. We don't sneak in and crawl on our hands and knees. We run to God. When I was a kid, when I lived in Oklahoma, for many years, we lived in, a, in the country. And it was a great place to be as a kid because there was a lot of things to do outside. And one, and one day, a bunch of us kids were outside, and we were out just you know, throwing rocks, seeing who could throw the furthest. right? And so pretty much everybody took their turn to throw rocks, and everybody did pretty well, except my sister, who was not gifted with the, the gift of the forward throw. You know, she never really mastered that. It always looks kind of like that instead of, you know. It's, I mean, it's actually worse than I can, I can mimic. You can't even mimic it. It's that bad. Right? But she decided she wants to throw a rock too, just like everyone else. And so she starts to throw a rock this way, and the rock goes that way and hits some kid in the back of the head. Right? Naturally, the kid screams, you know, because he's got hit in the head with a rock. And then he touches his head, and he screams even more because now he's got blood all over his hand. And guess what we did? We stood around going, we're all going to be in trouble. No! We did what we're supposed to do. We ran to dad. Because that's what you do when you need help. When, you, when it's an emergency, you run to dad. And it's the same thing when we fall into our sins. When you fall into sin, you need help now, not later. Get up and run to God. Run as fast as you can. Run into his presence. Run and get the help that you need and the forgiveness and the grace that you need. And then hold on to Jesus. Run to him and latch on to him and hold on to him. And, and not like a beggar 
Run to him like the child of God that you are. You are his children who can cry out, Abba, Father, and latch a hold of Christ and boldly say, I believe the promises that you have made me. I am depending upon those promises. I believe them all. I believe that you came in this world to seek and save sinners. I believe you came to save me. I believe you died on the cross for all of my sins, the past and the present and the future. I believed that I believe that I'm saved by grace through faith and that, that this is your gift to me. I believe that those who trust in you will not be put to shame. And Jesus, I'm trusting you more than I've ever trusted in you before. You promised to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I believe that promise, and I am depending completely and totally on that promise. Repent of your sins and run to God and hold on to Jesus Christ. That is how you trust God when you make a mess. That is how you have confidence in God when when all of you fall on your face. That is how you depend upon God to rescue you. That is how you allow yourself to be vulnerable in his hands. That is how you trust God even when it doesn't make any sense. And that is how you trust God when the world's gone crazy like it has for us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, now is the time we need to trust in you more than we ever have. Now is the time we need to trust in you with all of our hearts. Now is the time that we need to not lean on our understanding. Now is the time we need to come to you and submit our minds and our hearts to you and say, Lord, we see what's happening, but we know that you're in control. We're depending on you. We're trusting in you, Lord. You are the one that's sovereign. All things happen by your will and your plan. We know, Lord God, you're working things out by the counsel of your will and and according to your plan. And we know for those you love and love you and who are called according to your purpose, Lord God, we know that all things work for good. And so, Father, we're depending upon that. We're trusting in that, Lord. And that, Father, though we can't see each other's faces right now, that you would knit our hearts together in the in the bond of peace and the spirit of unity, Lord, that you would bring this church family back together soon. We are believing and trusting in that, that very soon we can be re- reunited in this room right here and that you would continue to raise up a people in this congregation who love you and who are willing to go out into the world and storm the gates of hell and share the hope of Christ because that is the hope the world needs, that you would make us, Lord God, evangelists, and and teachers of the word, and we would go out and we would share people with people boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for that, and I pray that you'd bless all who need to be blessed, that you'd meet their physical needs, that you'd heal all that need to be healed, and we give you the praise, we give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world.